You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In the words of Freddie Mercury, don't stop me now. I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time. The highest the Wilpons ever reached with a luxury tax payroll was $193 million. Current ownership is going to be about, oh, nine figures over that. Having a good time. But as long as we're passing out million-dollar bills, is there a new long-term deal afoot for Jacob deGrom? The short answer is no for now, but then again, we'll see. We're going to talk about deGrom. We're going to hear from deGrom. You'll hear today about a heroin car accident involving a young Mets all-star. Thankfully, everybody's okay. We'll talk about how happy we are that Freddie Freeman can no longer torture the Mets as a brave. By the way, you know whose face is on a million-dollar bill? Actor Dan Levy. That guy is everywhere. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while your coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. Jacob DeGrom has made it to camp, and you'll hear from number 48 in just a bit. Number 21 is in camp. That's the number Max Scherzer will wear since it was not retired for Rob Barajas. Number 48, DeGrom, and number 21, Scherzer. Back-to-back in your rotation, that is, if you add it up. Nice. Josh Lewin with you. Hat tip to the frat bros. So if the Mets decide to negotiate a new contract with Jacob DeGrom, it isn't likely to happen until after this season. Steve Cohen said recently he won't try to sign DeGrom to a new deal until, quote, the appropriate time. Uh, DeGrom can opt out of his current five-year, $137.5 million contract in November, but right now I believe it is still March. The owner said, we're going to play the season and then we'll figure that out. And Jake will do what he does. We love Jake and we'll figure it out at some point. But during the past four seasons, Jake has produced a 1.94 ERA. He's got 774 strikeouts in 581 innings. And, of course, physical issues started popping up in 2020, intensified last year, missed the last two and a half months with the right elbow thing. Had the Mets been in contention, DeGrom says he would have been healthy enough to pitch down the stretch. But as it is, we know he hasn't appeared in the game since July 7th. Let's get right to the audio. The presser with Jacob DeGrom from Port St. Lucie, Steve Gelb's batting leadoff, as he usually does. Uh, Jake, you know, first of all, just physically, how are you feeling right now, and, and how is this offseason compared to others for you? Um, feel really good. Um, you know, I've been throwing prior to coming down here, preparing for um, being told when to show up, and, um, you know, felt good. Treated it like a normal offseason, um, and, you know, feel really good uh, through 30 off the mound, and then I think the plan's to go live this week and then end the game, so looking forward to it. I know last year you talked about how you thought at least some of the, the injuries came from swinging a bat, but is there anything that you've thought about, contemplated this offseason that you might alter this year to, to try and stay on the mound? Um, not really. Um, you know, like I said, I, I treated the offseason the same and, um, you know, prepared the same way and everything felt good. So, um, you know, just maybe try to stay on top of things a little more. If uh, little things come up, try to stay on top of them because there's times where, you know, it'll not say anything and then it'll be a snowball effect. But, you know, stay on top of things more and just um, the goal is to go out there and make as many starts as I can. 
What is your confidence level coming off two years in which you didn't pitch a ton that you can go out and make 30-plus starts, pitch 200-plus innings? Yeah, um, I mean, the way I feel now, I'm very confident with it. Um, you know, I think uh, after the inflammation stuff in my arm got out last year, having the looks at it again and, and getting told that the UCL looked completely fine, then that was some reassurance. So, um, like I said, felt really good this whole offseason. And um, I think I threw five or six bullpens before I came down here, and all those felt really good. So, And today was just another good step in the right direction. And just what was your reaction when the team signed Scherzer, and will you fight him for opening day? Um, I was excited. Um, you know, I, I've said it before that I love competing against him, but uh, now to learn from him, you know, the guy's a future Hall of Famer. So to be around people like that and, and kind of push each other and, 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 you know, teach each other as much as we can, I think it's going to be really exciting. Jake, what do you think of the commitment that ownership and management has made to making this ball club a championship club? Yeah, it's exciting. You know, you look at the, the guys in the locker room and, and what ownership and, um, you know, the front office is doing. Um, we're definitely excited to get out there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, now it's time to get ready and, and go see what we can do. You were called at one point the unluckiest pitcher of his era, but now you've got a chance to do it with the ball club behind you. How do you view that? Um, you know, I, I think it's I, I take the mound the same way every time. I p try to picture it as a zero-zero ball game the whole way through, and and try to get our guys back in there as quick as I can. So I don't think it'll it'll change the way that um, you know I take the mound and go out there and compete against guys. Like I said before, I don't like giving up to hits to anybody, so that'll stay the same. For posterity on, on the arm, when was the last time you felt any sort of discomfort or anything? You know, I was still, I was still throwing, trying to come back last year, and, and the whole time through there, it felt good. So um, I think probably sometime after the All-Star break is whenever it was actually aggravating me. So building up and, and getting off the mound before um, the offseason was definitely a plus as well. And have you been able to face hitters at all? Before I did down? not. Uh, the plan, if we weren't here, was gonna I was going to face them today. And then talking to Hef, how uh, we scheduled it out, we were going to do a bullpen. And then I think live is either Thursday or Friday. And then uh, also to clarify on, on the arm, last year Sandy described it as a, as a minor tear of the UCL. You said the UCL was fine. Do you know why he said that, or, or if that was indeed the case maybe at one point or anything? Um, you know, I think there was inflammation somewhere in my elbow, and I think we had to let that get out to actually see what it was. So, um, like I said, my elbow feels fine, and I uh, have been told that the UCL is perfectly fine. Jake, uh, Steve Cohen said yesterday it seems like he wants to let the season play out with you. You have the opt out and the contract. Does that sound like a good plan to you? To yeah, you know that's uh, that's the plan. Um, you know, I won't take any more on this, but that's the business side of baseball. And as a player, you build in opt outs, and um, that's the business side. Of it but for me, I don't want that to be any distraction. Like I said, I'm excited about this team, and I've said it before. Love being a Met. I think it would be really cool to be one for my entire career, but. Um, you know, the plan is to um, exercise that option and and be in constant contact in the offseason with the Mets and, and uh, Steve Cohen in the front office. And would, 
All right, so there's most of what Jake had to tell the assembled media. Uh, if he chooses not to opt out of his contract, the Mets will owe him $68 million over the next two seasons. But all I know is right now, he's scheduled to pitch the same day your taxes are due, April 15th, the Mets home opener against Arizona, if everything lines up correctly. Although, you know what? It might actually not, because uh, April 7th is that first game at Washington. So maybe he's going to pitch twice on the road before he gets back home. Maybe Chris Bassett will be your, your home opening guy. But Jake will get the actual opening day start. Last year, when it was the Diamondbacks coming in, that was May, not April, DeGrom struck out eight of the first nine Diamondbacks that he faced that day. Never did face a tenth because he left the game with arm soreness, and the Mets went on to win that day, but who really cares? Because the team, you'll recall, went 29-45 and after the All-Star break. Jake never pitching in the second half. That ERA frozen at 1.08. Remarkable. 146 strikeouts and 92 innings. He had, last year, a higher whiff rate than our oldest Chapman and a strikeout rate equal to Josh Hader in twice as many innings as those relievers. He averaged better than 99 miles an hour on his fastball. It's a mile and a half per hour ahead of the second-place starter, Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins. Only eight other pitchers in baseball averaged 99 or better, and they were all relievers. A couple other fun facts for you. Lowest contact rate among starters last year. Jacob deGrom, 61%. Next best was Tyler Glass, now at 65%. Highest swing rate on pitches out of the strike zone last year among starters. deGrom was best at 43%. Corbin Burns, Cy Young guy, next at 37%. His 128 batting average allowed the lowest ever minimum 80 innings pitched. And we can only imagine what his final numbers would have been if it had gone past those 92 innings. I look back to Eric Gagne in 03 out of the bullpen. Josh Hader just a few years ago in 18 out of the bullpen. They held batters to a 131 average, and that was the previous low for an 80-inning minimum. There was Jake at 128. The previous low for a starting pitcher, got to go back to 1980. J.R. Richard, 163 batting average, although his season and career ended after, I think it was 113 innings when he suffered that, that stroke that summer. Lowest allowed for a qualified starter, meaning more than just uh, 113 innings. Got to go to Pedro Martinez's amazing 2000, and that was a 166 opponent's batting average allowed. I think Jake was headed there for Pedro's 2000. Pedro for the Red Sox had a 174 ERA in a year that the average American League ERA was 5.07. Second best qualifying ERA that year to his 1.74 was Roger Clemens at 3.70. And the DeGrom-Martinez mechanics are almost exactly the same. If you want to have some fun with science here, if you look at their respective follow-throughs, if you're watching from center field, check it out. Stiff left leg, land exactly in front of the left edge of the rubber, right leg in a V-shape with the, the bottom of the right cleat visible up around belt level. It is uncanny. If you were to lay wax paper over your TV screen, assuming you have wax paper and a TV. Uh, If you trace Pedro's delivery from 2000, then do the same thing for Jake's delivery last season, I swear you would have two identical pieces of wax paper. Meantime, we note that a a matchup that used to get us all up on the edge of our seats, talking about DeGrom against Freddie Freeman, 
that is no longer going to take place multiple times in a season. Freddie Freeman looks like he's not an Atlanta Brave anymore because when Atlanta traded with the everything-must-go athletics, it signaled the end for Freddie and that Hall of Fame caliber tenure in that organization. It's an organization that had drafted him back in 2007 out of El Modena High School in Orange County, California. El Modena being Spanish for the Modena. Former Mets pitchers used to get crushed by Freddie Freeman, as you probably remember. Here's what I looked up. Noah Syndergaard allowed a 10 for 23. Bartolo Colon a 15 for 33. Mats allowed a 10 for 30. R.A. Dickey, 11 for 22. Zach Wheeler, 14 for 29. Johan Santana, pretty good lefty, right? Well, Freddie was 3 for 7 against him. Even the pitching coach got crushed by Freeman. When Jeremy Hefner had to face Freeman, uh, Frederick was 3-for-9 with two home runs. Bullpen guys, we love our Jerry Blevins. Does a heck of a podcast himself these days for the Mets. 12-for-25 uh, is what Freddie Freeman was against the lefty specialist and all-around good guy, Jerry Blevins. Josh Edgen, another one of my favorites. Freddie was 5-for-11 against him. Current Mets, well, uh, he hit 270 against DeGrom over the years, which is terrific, because we just talked about how he was holding people to under 130 last year. Scherzer actually held Freddie down to around 230 in his Nationals career, but of course those two never met with Max as a Met. There should be a parade to celebrate Freddie Freeman no longer living in Atlanta. We should start a GoFundMe and trick out his U-Haul so he'll enjoy the ride to his next port of call. The exodus from Oakland continues, and what a sad time it must be to be an A's fan. Their owner is worth billions with a B, too, by the way. He's behaving like he's got his belongings and a handkerchief tied around a stick as he hops from boxcar to boxcar. Look at how many former A's are Mets right now. You got Starling Marte, you got Mark Canna, Chris Bassett. Maybe it's a belated thank you note from the A's for when Mike Piazza very strangely finished his big league career out there. Piazza was an A in 07, a year after uh, he had been in San Diego, which everyone kind of forgets as well. The Braves got Matt Olson from Oakland to be their new first baseman, and to do that, they traded, uh, let's see here, the Braves traded their numbers 2, 3, 9, and 14 prospects in the system to get Matt Olson. Speaking of first baseman, wow, this one kind of shook us all up. Uh, Pete Alonzo's trip to spring training turned harrowing on Sunday, and none of us knew it till he told us. He was involved in what can only be described as a brutal car accident. There was, in his words, a really close experience to death. Uh, he emerged uninjured, which is amazing if you've seen footage of this. Uh, he said another driver ran a red light in an intersection back in Tampa, T-boned his pickup truck, which flipped over three times before coming to rest on its side. Pete was stuck inside, uh, just kind of upside down in the driver's seat. He kicked out the front windshield with his wife, Haley, who was following in a car behind him, having a look at all that. Uh, they got out, they escaped. The dogs are fine. Everybody's cool. But uh, Pete Alonzo made sure he he thanked Haley uh, for, for her role in uh, getting everything kind of reassembled after all that. They had to corral the dogs that were running around. She's the one that called 911. So uh, Pete wanted to thank Haley, wanted to thank the Ford Motor Company for having, quote, great engineering. Pete Alonzo built Fort Tough as well, and uh, we are glad he's okay. 
Test driving some new rules in AAA this year. Got to tell you about that. Syracuse will start its season a few days before the Mets, and they'll be involved in some of this stuff. They're going to try things like the pitch timer in the minors this year. They're going to start in in A ball and work up from there. Larger bases are going to AAA. Uh, The shift thing is going to be policed in double-A, high-A, and low-A. The defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield with at least two infielders completely on either side of second base. They'll be trying that. You got some select games in AAA where they're going to try the old ABS, the automated ball strike robot deal. So uh, that's the Petri dish. That's what the minor leagues are there for now. So good luck with all that. A couple other Mets notes from spring training come your way in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So Monday in a meeting before the first official day of Mets workouts, Robinson Cano addressed his teammates about the uh, performance-enhancing drug suspension that cost them all last year. Buck Showalter called Robbie's tone apologetic. He said, uh, Buck said that it's something that needed to be done, and Robbie was perceptive enough to know that. Cano plans to address his situation with the media later this week, now that he's already done it with his teammates. And indeed, the first full day of mandatory workouts are now upon us on this lovely Tuesday morning. The Mets are, uh, at least as of Monday night, missing four relievers. Seth Lugo and Trevor May are dealing with weather issues, trying to get to Port St. Lucie. Yenzi Diaz and Felix Pena are dealing with visa issues. Buck said that he expects Lugo and May on site by today. The other two guys might be further delayed. And finally, got a tune-in for baseball alert that should make you happy. SNY announcing it'll broadcast six of the Mets' eight Grapefruit League home games. It'll start with the 1 o'clock Eastern matchup against the Cardinals on Sunday. Gary, Keith, and Ron all in the booth for that one. Gary possibly blowing off Seton Hall's hoops game against Arizona in sunny San Diego, if indeed the Hall advances on Friday. I know Gary loves his college hoops. He's amazing at calling those games, but just like the rest of us, it is tough to resist the siren song of spring training baseball after COVID, after a lockout, and after Arizona beating UCLA out here in the Pac-12 tournament. I guess that last one really just affected me. Not that I'm bitter. Let's go. Let's get out of here. I'm hearing that Mets in the Morning House band. I want to thank them very much. They are so talented. You've got on keyboards, Doug Minkavich. Slapping to base, reliever Tim Burdick, who, by the way, used to get Freddie Freeman out with regularity. The horn section, Brian Dozier. And on those drums, that is Angel Pagan. This is Josh Lewin. I'm a gone myself, but I will be talking at you again tomorrow. Please do tune in. Tell everybody about what this thing is. We call it Met in the Morning. Bye-bye.